Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,850 miles southeast of me, is none other than Senor Keep Fisher, and we are coming to you live for the 160th time. By all of a sudden, I decided to channel Steve Martin <laughs> as a wild and crazy guy. Uh, this... <laughs> you you <laughs> then... killed my brother. Prepare to die. <laughs> yes, you know, go Montoya. Uh, February 24th, 2017, Mr. Fisher. We're already laughing, and we haven't even finished our introduction. How are you? I'm all right, I reckon. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. Tired as hell, but good. Hmm. It's a good kind of tired. Uh, it's uh, one of those when you wake up, you push what you think is the snooze button on your alarm, and it ends up being the off button. And so you uh, <laughs> you wake up when your wife's alarm goes off 45 minutes later. That's what kind of day it was today. Yeah, those are awesome days. Good times. But it's a good day at work. I was productive. Had a good cup of coffee. Got home. Everybody was in a mm, passable mood. And I am in a fantastic mood. So, ah. <sighs> I'm ready. Well, you only, you only had to work half a day today. <laughs> My wife's alarm isn't at 1230. <laughs> uh, I've never been somebody who could sleep late. I don't think I've ever slept past noon in my life. Me neither. Uh, in the teenage years, maybe a little bit late, but these days I can't. Just, just can't sleep much to start with, so I'm always up early. Medication early. You know, I, I can uh, I can sleep now, but, I mean, if I was to sleep on my own, I'd, I'd get up by 8, 8.30. Um, yeah. Once the sun's blazing in the window, there is no chance I'm sleeping. I, uh, it, you know, if I get up at 8, 8.30, I feel like half the day's gone. I enjoy getting up early. But what'd you say? Not, I'm sorry. I said I do too generally, but uh, if I can already tell that I'm not going to be able to sleep much. Oh, knock down a couple of Benadryl. I'm out till eight hours later, whenever, whatever time that is. Good for you. We, uh, I have not gotten to that point, but Hey, you want to hear a fun story? Absolutely. I accidentally drugged one of my children with sleep medication once. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you want to say that in a public forum? Well, it was truly accidental and he was fine. But it did involve me uh, calling my wife, who's a pediatric nurse, and calling poison control and uh, getting on my hands and knees and counting pills on the floor of my son's room. Yeah, so uh, uh, melatonin, you can get melatonin pills for children. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a bottle uh, to help us when we were going on an airline. Um, So we were going on a flight, and we wanted – this is just when we had one kid – um, we wanted our first to be able to fall asleep. So we gave him one pill. It didn't do anything. We just kind of assumed, well, one milligram, they were one milligram of pill, which is not very much, um, melatonin. And, uh, so we just kind of wrote it off thinking that it wouldn't really work for him. Uh, fast forward a couple months, we had this bottle of pills, uh, on an upper shelf in a closet and we have dual shelves in the closet. Somehow he got up on the first shelf hung off, grabbed, like climbed a shirt or a sweatshirt or something, grabbed the upper shelf and knocked off the, the like basket of medicine that we had up there. 
somehow the only thing that opened up was the bottle of little purple melatonin pills, and he just starts popping them. And uh, holy cow! <laughs> yeah, I I had no idea what was going on. He was in his room. He was playing. I and he was three and a half or so. This was years back. Uh, he'd play in his room. He'd play Legos, and there should have been nothing that he could have gotten himself hurt with. About a half an hour later, he comes out. He's sitting on the couch. Mind you, it's 6 o'clock at night, 5 o'clock at night, and he falls asleep sitting up on the couch. I'm like, man, little dude's tired today. All right. So I get a blanket. I cover him up. I'm like, oh, it's easy street. Dad doesn't have to be a dad tonight. It's awesome. I'll leave him there. And uh, I go in his room to clean up from what he was playing, and I see a pill on the floor. I'm like, oh, this is strange. So lo and behold, I noticed more pills on the floor. I spend about 10 minutes trying to, to find all these pills. Luckily, I can count 24. Yeah, 24 of the 30, and I know that I had given him one before. So we took five milligrams of melatonin, knocked him out cold, knocked him out cold. The kid slept for like 14 hours. Oh, See, you keep your drugs and medication, you know, with the liquor and guns in the kids' rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unlocked. <laughs> easy, uh, easy to get to. Well, you, you always need it quickly. Yeah, so, so that was, uh, that was a, a lesson of no matter how high, no matter how safe you think a child safety lock is, don't keep anything in your kids' room and don't trust a child safety lock. Those little <laughs> monsters will climb anything. At our old house in Florida, we had a like a cupboard built into the wall in the kitchen, and it had these wireframe shelves in it, just canned goods and whatnot. And the dude kept climbing those shelves, and they weren't made to hold a kid. And so I kind of figured they were going to all come crashing down one day, and the door on that thing was like a the folding louvered doors, kind of like a closet door thing. Okay. And so I put a a lock on it, one of those, just the little hooks that hooks into a loop. Uh huh. Uh huh. And he figured out that he he could hold the the little knob on that door a certain way and rattle it, and the hook would pop out. <laughs> so he oh. still was getting in that stupid thing, and he would climb all the way to the top and get the cookies or whatever it was he wanted out of there. The dude, my man. Yeah, he's a. Uh... He's a little uh, resourceful son of a gun. I like it. He was. That that was about the, about the same time he was driving the Jeep into his school for me. <laughs> Only a hillbilly would ever say that sentence. Please follow it up with something equally as good. <laughs> no, that, I didn't. That's a true story. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told that on here before. That was an expensive day. I have not heard that story. What? Uh, well, hold on. Let's introduce our cigar of the week, and then you can bring it up and uh, just guide us into the news stories. How about that? No. Okay. Sure. All right. So I uh, I have started. I believe you have also started our cigar of the week tonight, which uh, is a very very generous gift by a gentleman in the chat room tonight. It is the Jossum Crawl uh, Red Knight Lancero. This is these are my first of the the Jossum Crawls. Um, I don't know you've had them previously, right or no? No, just the other one of these that 
that came down oh, in the package. Great. Good, good. Okay, so this is this is uh, both of our first experience with these, not individual smoking, but I mean um, any of the Jocelyn Crawls. I've had one prior earlier this week. You had one for uh, some extremely early on show prep about a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we are getting to them tonight to do our first formal review. Both of us, our first formal review on this. So, although nothing we do is formal. That's true. So, anyways. so these are a lovely gift from the listener, Arc Cigars, who is also in our um, forum, a regular member in our forum. And these 7 by 38 Lanceros make a perfect addition to either your art gallery or your humidor. They are that gorgeous. Uh, most beautiful twisted pigtail cap sits atop the, the flawless Ecuadorian Abano light. And I'm going to say this as it's written on their website, Clario wrapper. Um, I would say that this is definitely not a Claro wrapper. So I'm presuming that Clario um, has some reference uh, is a reference to some, I don't know, something that the manufacturer wanted to highlight. Um, the binder is a half Mexican San Andres and half Nicaraguan Jalapo Seco uh, binder. So I'm assuming it's a double binder cigar, but I have not taken this apart. Either that or there's some real Frankenstein going on with the, the leaf. Yeah, really. I, I suppose it could have been uh, they somehow spliced um, San Andres and uh, Jalapen. Uh, Nicaraguan jalapen tobacco, jalapen grown tobacco, but you know, I, I don't know how the heck that would work. So I'll just assume it's a double binder for now. And the filler components are all confidential. Um, the cigar smokes, to me, it smokes with a savory pepper core, especially in the first third. It reminded me a lot initially of the tantrum. Um, that we've talked about and smoked on the show where the first third of this cigar, probably the first half inch to inch of this cigar builds in that pepper, like a a crushed red pepper and a black pepper spice. Um, Really, I think with the crushed red pepper standing um, uh, prominent to the black pepper, it has a little bit of that, that um, chili pepper, almost. um, Yeah, that chili powder. Um, well, and, uh, let me see, let me get back to the notes here. Uh, the cigar smokes with that savory pepper core, but does show a sense of suave style throughout. And that pepper does minimize as it, as it gets into the, uh, the end of the first third blended by both the brand owner and I'm going to murder the name Riste Risteski or Riste Risteski. Uh, as well as Noel Rojas. Um, and the cigar was created in Esteli to maintain the Cuban standard as uh, what was what was deemed to be the case on the cigar's website. So literally translating to I am king, Jassam Kral is a Macedonian name for Nicaraguan cigar <laughs> with Cuban soul. It's not Macedonia. It's Macedonia. If that's what you're it's laughing Macedonia. at. I'm laughing because it's macadamia. <laughs> it's not written as macadamia. Your original spelling was your original spelling was closer to macadamia. Ah, whatever. I'm not Persian or not Persian. I'm not uh, Iranian. <laughs> Roughly that area, I think. 
Anyways, <laughs> well, so this is uh, it's a Nicaraguan cigar. Uh, it's manufactured in Nicaragua with components, as we said, from uh, Mexico, um, Jalapa, that Jalapan region of uh, Nicaragua, as well as that. <coughs> excuse me, as well as that uh, Ecuadorian wrapper on there. So. It's an interesting cigar. It has a lot of transition throughout its length. I will be interested to see how uh, concentrating on it allows me to kind of bring out some flavors. Cool. I'm kind of, um, not kind of, have been very much looking forward to it based on how much I enjoyed the first one. So I am excited. Yeah, it was interesting that you, uh, um, uh, I was going back and looking at the website. It was interesting to me that you had expressed such love for this cigar when it was in what I feel is really the the roughest and, um, I don't know, most unappealing phase of it. That first exactly. half inch to me is, is – it's, it's trying, man. You, uh, you got to soldier through that, I think, to get to when the cigar really shines. And I was really surprised that that made such a good impression on you. Uh, uh, maybe so, relatively speaking. But uh, even this one as well, this first, you know, I'm probably three quarters of an inch into it now. Still digging it right up front uh, early on. It, it, I think part of that is the pepper here. Um, I like cigars that tend to be somewhat peppery, but it's easy for me to be overpowered by that. If it burns my throat or it's kind of, you know, harsh or raw feeling on the back of the throat, I don't care for that. And I don't get that with this. It's more uh, a flavor than a feeling or, uh, uh, you know, a physical impact from the, from the smoke. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point. It's not palate polluting. That's kind of a phrase that I, I go back to. So those of you who feel you have a bit of an understanding about what I enjoy in cigars and what I don't enjoy might be able to convey a bit about this cigar from that. Um, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't ruin the rest of the cigar for you. And without question, the, the pepper flavor has that it's a crushed red pepper. It's a chili powder aroma to the flavor. It's, it's really, really enjoyable. Yeah, totally agree. Hmm. Oh. But I have to say I was not upset when it went away because it was, uh, it, it was, if it was sweet, I would have said it was cloying or if it was herbal, I would have said it was cloying. It was so pervasive. Um, it forced me to take such small draws so that way I could even have a, a chance to retrohale it because it was nearly, uh, it, to quote Dale Roush, it was nasal napalm. <laughs> it's a, it is what it is, and it is very much what it is. It's not uh, – I would tend to think it's a polarizing cigar. If, if you enjoy the properties or characteristics of this kind of cigar, you're going to really enjoy it. And if you don't, you're going to really not enjoy it. Well, I, uh, um, the first one that I smoked, I was a little apprehensive. I thought that I was going to have to, uh, uh, put our cigars in the category of people that I will not be taking cigar recommendations from in the future, (laughs) but I, uh, I absolutely and very completely changed my mind on that one. So. Excelente. 
I believe you have a story of a young man driving a car into a school chair. <laughs> I do. I really can't <laughs> believe you've never heard this story. No, I haven't. He was three or four, I guess, oh, at the time. Oh, it gets better and better. And Christy was a, a teacher at the time, and he was in preschool there. My daughter was in school there. And she was getting them all buckled into their seats at the end of the day. And while they're there, she'd already started the Jeep. And the, another teacher pulled up alongside and was talking to her. And she hopped out to talk to him and was standing there at the driver's door. Dude climbs up and reaches forward over the seat and pops it in. It, it was an automatic and it was on the the uh, steering column and he pulled it down because our Jeep was old enough. It, you didn't have to push the brake down to engage the transmission. And so he pulled it down into drive and it, it, it idled high and was geared really low. So it, it went to climbing and climbed over the curb and went lengthwise down the, the covered walkway, knocking down all the poles. <laughs> with the uh, aluminum awning that, that those poles were holding up just falling all <laughs> dominoing down the, oh. took out took out the fence and everything and <laughs> so christy and this this other teacher his name was brad he was a friend of ours we're trying to chase this thing down <laughs> and climb in and so brad is like pushing her with everything he had into the jeep and she's like, would you stop? And she didn't realize that the one of the supports, the aluminum supports, had come through the windshield and was like, it made a big gash on her shoulder. But I mean, it, it was fine, but it made a nasty cut. And he was Ooh. just trying to get her from uh, away from that while she was trying to stop the Jeep. And so it, it was a big mess. And me and my uh, cohorts had to make, number of trips to Home Depot and various aluminum places to get parts made and, and bought and, and repair the walkway and chain link fence and the posts and the whole deal and replace the windshield on the Jeep. And, and not only the windshield, but you know, on a Jeep, there's this metal frame that holds the windshield. That thing was mangled up. So the top wouldn't go on or anything. Mm. Holy cow. Yeah. It was an awesome day. So was there a moment when everybody was okay and, and her arm was patched up when you just sat down and laughed your butt off? <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been what, nine years. <laughs> That's the perfect response. Man, We're getting there. <laughs> a decade later. Oh, gosh. Oh, good times. Well, folks, if you didn't know, uh, we will be talking about cigars and apparently laughing a lot on tonight's show. And we might throw in a bit of news, so stick around if you want to stick with us. Oh, it'll be another fun night of uh, conversation, cigars, rum, new rum, and, uh, of course, friends. So uh, we hope you stick around with us. You are one lucky fool, and I love it. Ah. She, she came home. She got home, 
and, and like did not even want to talk about it. She's like, no, everybody's good. That's all we need to say right now. <laughs> she was <laughs> livid. Oh, man. So uh, I got to imagine he wasn't allowed to touch his car seat after that, was he? No, he he had managed to get back into the back seat and strapped in his seat by the time they were stopped. <laughs> oh, I got to imagine he, what was running through his head were things that we cannot say on this podcast. He, he was saying, I'm not big enough to drive. I'm not big enough to drive. Oh, poor little guy. He must have been scared to death. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. that is funny. Oh, that is funny. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Frank, dung, I like child care tips from the masters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got two doozies today, don't we? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, oh, boy. If both of us aren't arrested by tomorrow, well, you're at least out of the country. They'll have a tough time finding you. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not arrested by tomorrow, I'll be happy. <laughs> if anybody oh. needs to know where Craig lives, just give me a call. <laughs> I get his address. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> just in case there's a reward or something. That took all of three seconds. <laughs> uh, oh, well. Shall we get to news, or is there any other uh, embarrassing stories we should be sharing? There are many other stories, but we'll just let them happen organically sounds like a plan well i guess we'll just hop into it then let's do it what do we got here there's been a few things i stuck in the notes actually a big part of tonight's stories are legislative there's been a number of changes since our last show but first one that is not so much legislative although i suppose it'll be impacted by the fda and governmental bodies of various origins, but uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, uh, who you're familiar with uh, that that as a franchise, uh, mm-hmm. they're coming to Tampa and actually teaming up with my old uh, stomping grounds, my old regular store, uh, Tampa Humidor. Uh, the two of them are going to open a, a new shop. This is not a, uh, you know, uh, uh, Casa de Monte Cristo is owned by Imperial slash Tobacco Letter USA slash JR Cigars is this big conglomeration of a company. Um, they own the, the franchise uh, of these stores. And I'm not sure what the breakdown is. In my head, it seems like they would normally purchase an existing store or at least a, a building and, and uh, put something in it or replace what's there or partner with an existing store. Uh, but in this case, they're actually this is going to be a, a whole new store, uh, teaming up uh, again with Tampa Humidor, and building a lounge in South Tampa uh, on Howard Avenue. Uh, for those of you in the Tampa area, and if I'm remembering right, I didn't go very often to this shop. I was on I, this. I'm about to mention um, Edwards Pipes and Cigars, Edwards Pipes and Tobacco. Uh, Edwards is a, another franchise. I believe they had a store on that street on Howard Avenue. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure what part it's on, how close, but uh, which is uh, is a sizable operation as well. But anyway, this thing should be open in June. Uh, 
hopefully about the time I uh, <clears throat> make a short stateside visit. I'd like to be able to see it when I come in if it's open by the time. So, that's pretty cool. They uh, they have the location near you. I think they have one in Texas now somewhere. They have one in Boynton Beach, which is also in Florida, Las Vegas. Um, I don't know. They have several and are in the process of putting a few more together. They, they seem to be expanding at a pretty good clip. Um, but it's always interesting to see new stores popping up, although it seems the bigger guys are kind of coming into their own. <laughs> I don't know if the smaller guys are maybe getting a little wary or a little uh, gun shy about opening new shops or, or expanding yeah. operations. And maybe they're kind of selling off. You know, we saw serious cigars sold and, and a number of other, uh, long-standing retailers that are selling out to the bigger guys. So, and we've talked about that. I don't know if this is you know, going to become and continue to be a trend or, or uh, it's just a, a flash in the pan or what's going to happen with the legislation, with the changes in the administration. Uh, you know, that's all to be seen still. But anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there just so we could keep tabs on it. Cause that's a typically a pretty uh, sizable operation. Casa de Monte Cristo and, and Tampa Humidor is a an existing sizable Tampa presence as well. They have a, if I'm remembering right, their humidor is over 1,500 square feet, just the yeah. humidor. And the store, don't ask me why I know the sizes of these stores, but th their store was a little over 7,000 square feet. And 5,000 of that was lounge area they had a lot of seating there and whatnot but uh, so i'm interested to see how this casa de monte cristo is going to shake out knowing as well that uh corona cigar out of orlando partnered up with davidoff recently to open uh, another lounge uh, there in tampa so i don't know we'll see how many can be sustained how many lounge cigar lounges of that size i know tampa is kind of a cigar town so it's, it's a you know there's a a healthy industry presence as well as a consumer presence in Tampa. I don't know how well this would do in other cities, but I'm interested to see how it does in Tampa. I really wouldn't be surprised if it flourishes. Mm -hmm. I, I would not be surprised at all. I, I mean, you're seeing the death of a lot of Ma and Pa, or perhaps not the death, but the, the slow demise we're in the midst of. But I don't think that that's necessarily going to cause an immediate death of, of cigar smokers looking for a social experience. Um, and <clears throat> Ybor City, it, uh, although I, I don't know my Tampa geography extremely well, but I have to imagine this isn't incredibly close to Ybor. Um, not, not close, but it's not, not too far. But the thing in Tampa, it, it doesn't matter. If you're driving three blocks or completely across town, it's an hour's drive. <laughs> well, I uh, I would imagine that um, that this is something that Tampa has enough of a culture to sustain, and it's not just solely based on people who are random uh, randomly strolling down streets and say, "Oh, hey, I'll get a cigar one in Rome." I think that I think that there's a, a pretty well-founded uh, culture there. Well, of course, there's a well-founded culture. I think there's a pretty well-founded um, 
uh, precedent that's set for when you're there, you're going to enjoy a cigar. It's not something that's so much of a whim. I, I think that it's it will sustain it. There's there's legs to that. It's got a foundation. Boy, how many other uh, uh, <laughs> horrible not puns? Gosh, what do I want to say? Uh, anecdotes? Can I say about this? I don't know. Let's, let's see what we got. Well, give me long enough. I'll come up with more. <laughs> yeah, Tampa does have a good foundation. I mean, they have uh, a. You can hear the. You hear the siren. I do. Yeah. It's funny because there's no emergency vehicles with sirens here. That's somebody's car. They put that up to. Huh. Anyway, the. Um, Tampa does have a good cigar foundation, a good cigar culture uh, inherently with its residents and citizens. You know, there, like I said, there's a, a good industry presence there, including Davidoff. Um, but there's also a lot of tourism. There's, there are a lot of good beaches in and around Tampa and St. Pete. And so there's a lot of people traveling that, that, are coming from places with high cigar taxes to a state that has no cigar tax. And so they tend to buy cigars when they're there, if they're cigar smokers. Mm. That's a great point. A really great point. Hmm. It also helps people uh, compete with internet sales. Heck, you know, you go there, you can look at, look at it, touch it, feel it. And, it's ultimately not that much more than if you, uh, it might not be any more than if you bought it on the internet considering shipping. No, not at all. In fact, Tampa Humidor does a large, healthy internet business, and, and, and actually it's how they started. They began as uh, my cow, the owner, started the thing just selling humidors <laughs> online. Huh. And when I first started shopping at Tampa Humidor, they didn't have what you call a, a, a real retail storefront kind of operation. They were tucked back in this little, you know, set up a, almost like a small scale industrial park or, or something where there's just some small uh, uh, industrial kind of businesses, not even really with storefronts. It was kind of a warehouse operation that happened to have a room that had some cigars in it too. And uh, it grew from there and expanded into this really big, storefront which frankly is in a terrible location but has just thrived where they are um into what it is today good for them yeah yeah chub knows says did i hear my name he shares the name with the owner of tampa humidor (laughs) i won't what else we got here i was gonna say i won't say his name not I wanted to broadcast people's names, but I've already said it. So <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say. Uh, I have a tumor. Don't don't make fun of me, man. My memory sucks. You you didn't even listen to yourself there, man. I'm a step ahead. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. Well, I have another little story for those of you that may or may not know. Um, Pro Cigar has been going on this week here in the Dominican Republic. Um, I believe they actually do a couple of days in Punta Cana, La Romana uh, area, which is the far southeastern portion of the country. And then the latter half of the week, they're here in Santiago, uh, seeing a number of facilities and 
factories. I think they went down to Chateau de la Fuente and saw the CFCF school and all that kind of thing. I, I did not attend any of the events this year. Um, Wait, can I can I stop you right there for a second? Sure. Fuente now has involvement in Pro Cigar? Where they have do. I been? That happened two years ago. Really? Uh-huh. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't mean that I don't mean that um to be ironic. I I mean that because it, this is the tenth year. Why did it take them seven years to not become involved in the largest cigar event in the country that they're so proud of? Uh, you got me. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I hope that cough button worked. It did. I didn't realize what was going on for just a second. The, being the consummate professional that I am, I just stared blankly at the screen. <laughs> uh, you know, folks, just remember that little exchange when somebody asks you who the professional one is on the show. I <laughs> use a cough button. Kip stares at my video, scratching his head, going, hmm, I wonder what he's doing. It's quiet. <laughs> yep, that's, that's pretty much exactly what just happened. <laughs> oh, boy. Ah, well, yeah, Pro Cigar. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, I interrupted Yeah, I've been seeing you know pictures and feeds and articles and stories from blogs and whatnot coming out of it. Um, seemed like another successful year. Uh, but one of the things I picked up on, and only because I have recently had a couple conversations about this particular topic, is a new cigar uh, that was showcased or shown off or announced, whatever you want to call it, uh, at the event. Uh, that's coming from La Aurora, uh, which normally may not be super newsworthy to me. I'm, I'm, I do enjoy some La Aurora cigars more so now than ever before, but I can't say that they're uh, fixtures in my humidor. <clears throat> I, I do love these little Coronas that you can get dirt cheap at like every La Serena and El Encanto here in town, which is like the, the Walmart of the Dominican Republic, I guess is the closest comparison I can make. They have these glass humidors set up that have cigars in them. They've probably been sitting there unhumidified for years, but I'll, I'll <laughs> pick up some of those sometimes because they're, they're dirt cheap here. But anyway, that's a side story that means nothing. This new cigar that they're putting out is going to have uh, the Andujo. Andujo, as uh, locals would call it. Um, different tobacco than what's commonly seen in cigars. Uh, it was in a cigar called the Project 805 that Phillips and King, William Ventura put out a number of years ago. And um, the reason it doesn't make into make its way into cigars too often is because of the the way it's processed and fermented and stored and aged is is radically different than what is typical. And it does not lend itself to preserving whole leaves of tobacco in a form that would be you know, easy to take apart and, and use in a cigar. These, these things are put into these big tubes called jogwas. And the tubes are made out of I've seen burlap, I've seen banana leaves, I've seen these little woven reed basket-looking things. And then a, uh, a cord or a rope or a vine or whatever is handy that serves as a ligature uh, is wrapped 
really tightly around it to kind of give it some some compression uh, while it's fermenting. And so this stuff afterward is, is much like Perique tobacco in, in Louisiana, which is used uh, native, what is it, native spirit, American spirit. Uh, it's a Native American uh, cigarette company buys, I'm sorry? Cigarette company, I said. Yeah, and they buy much of that crop now, but there is still some that makes its way into pipe tobacco. Um, the, the, we actually almost lost Perique because we were down to one farmer. Percy Martin was the last man standing, and he was 90 or so years old at the time. Uh, and he grew it and processed it because it's very labor intensive. And what was happening was the similar tobacco was being grown in the Green River Valley up in Kentucky and processed similarly, but it wasn't truly Perique because it, it wasn't grown in St. James Parish, Louisiana. Uh, but that's now expanded. There's a couple more folks growing it. But uh, anyway, I do not know why I can't focus on this story and keep getting carried on. <laughs> I'm relighting my cigar. Take your time. <laughs> this cigar is the ADN Dominicano, and ADN is the uh, Spanish acronym for DNA. Uh, so it's Dominican DNA. And it's going to have a Dominican wrapper, a Cameroon binder, and several filler tobaccos, and one of which will be Andujo. And, uh, oh, I never finished the why. When, when the Andujo is ready, they cut the end off the Jaguar, Jaguar and they just kind of shave off the, the end of the rod of tobacco that comes out the end of it. These are probably, you know, four or five inches in diameter and several feet long. And they just shave the end off and it, and it makes you know, shreds of tobacco kind of looks like short filler tobacco that you may see in some machine made cigars. And so normally it's sold in little comados and places around the mountains and, and valleys in, in the area by the ounce and people smoke it in pipes. But it is possible to extricate some leaves and roll them up in a cigar, and I suppose that was, that's what they're doing here. And I've smoked that Project 805, and I, I kind of enjoyed it, although, and I, I learned this week, this is some of the background I read on it. Actually, La Aurora had made those, and I genuinely thought I remembered William Ventura made them, but apparently it was a partnership that La Aurora made them for William Ventura. But... Um, I don't think I've ever smoked it anywhere else except that Project 805. Um, maybe I have and just don't know it, but I don't believe so. It is a uh, – I will buy this cigar and try it just because the tobacco is, is unique and I enjoy it. But it's not super heavy-handed, and, it, and it, you know if it's not really featured – in the blend, it's going to be lost. So I, I'm going to smoke it when it when it makes its way out, just to see if they're really showcasing it or if it's just something in there to be marketed. And I don't think that's the case because uh, I also understand it's not going to be marketed in the states. It's only going to be sold here in this country. So we'll see. I guess we'll see how successful it is and if they think they can navigate their way through the FDA with it and how that goes. But uh, Kind of a neat thing, I think, just because I like trying oddball tobaccos. Oh, yeah. It's 
I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that you don't see anywhere else. It, I'm sure it has a very unique flavor. And if you're a tobacco fight, I mean, it's a uh, tobacco file, uh, neophyte, tobacco file. Some might say they go together. Um, you're going to have a level of enjoyment in something that's a, a cool novelty like that. I do. And I know nothing about that tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, uh, I talked to my friend William here, who's Dominican, and he <clears throat> tells me he knows some folks who process tobacco in this way, and he could make an introduction, so hopefully I'll get a chance to kind of check it out independent of this cigar and just maybe get my hands on some. It's not too hard to come by here. Um, but anyway, this this uh, this cigar is going to be available in four sizes. Five by fifty, five and three quarters by fifty-four, six by fifty-eight, and a seven by forty-seven. So, somebody wants to come down for a visit, give them a try. <laughs> Hip on the form. You know, I I, I know that uh, it's not my place to to uh, put words in your mouth, but I I think you've made it pretty clear before that you welcome guests down by you, people who are willing. And interested in uh, in seeing a little bit about Dominican cigar culture. Yeah, I I would not recommend coming in summer because it's freaking hot and <laughs> and the the there's a couple times a year that it's hard to do cigar stuff. One is in the summertime because there's just not much going on in the fields. The fields are just grown up in weeds or naked dirt. There's no tobacco in them. Um, and the other is mid-December to, to mid-January when basically the entire cigar industry shuts down. Everything's closed for maintenance. Uh, and so those two times are hard to do anything with the rest of the year. We can see some stuff. And I'll put you to work if you come down too. <laughs> well, I, I think that's pretty cool. I, is the enlighten me if I can pick your brain about what little uh, is known on this tobacco. Is it a truly unique type of tobacco or is it a, a tobacco that's unique because mainly how it's processed? I think it's mainly how it's processed. I don't think there's anything super special or secret about the actual varietal. And uh, this is entirely speculative. I, I don't know much about it for, you know, factually. But in this kind of thing, what I've witnessed and experienced when I'm riding around the compo is folks will grow a little bit of tobacco and treat it however they were taught to do by their dad. And when they feel like it's time, they roll it up in a tube and smoke it. <laughs> so there's, there's not, you know, some of these little family operations are not, they don't have a staff of agronomists figuring out how to grow tobacco better or anything. Oh, no? <laughs> no. I, I suppose it'd be like uh, somebody coming to my house in August. They're going to get a bounty of vegetables, I'll tell you that. But my uh, my education didn't quite point me in that direction. It was, it was yeah. something learned from my old man. Yeah. A, a lot of what I see, I, I spend a lot of time in the mountains north of Santiago. And people grow coffee. They grow cacao, they grow tobacco and things like that. But there are large fincas, large farms that belong to the cigar industry, the cigar companies. 
but most of these little family operations just it's a subsistence thing they grow it for themselves and to trade with other people you know hey i got you know 50 pounds of coffee beans and how many chickens are you giving me for that or, or whatever you know that's pretty cool i you know it's what's well, how the world worked for thousands of years you know yeah and michael stewart who's been down a couple of times now and and seems to at least enjoy the uh, compost cigars that we buy for yeah, like we four smoked, We smoked them last night. Yeah. So you, you can, it's 50 pesos for 25 cigars. So you're talking about four cents a cigar. <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, yeah, I bought three bundles and it wasn't even five bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. I challenge anyone to beat that. Yeah, you won't even see that on Cigars International. <laughs> yeah, give them a little bit of time. I'm sure they'll come up with something. There's a bundle of Coronas for a dollar. <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> well, well, that's cool, man. I uh, I dig it. I, I really dig it. I'll, I have a, an irrational infatuation with that idea, and I haven't quite figured out if it's because you have that infatuation and uh, you've done a good job of selling it or if um, I, I'm just interested in kind of that completely different method of processing. You know, I, I'm very much that guy, the guy who wants to try it. If a cigar is a cigar, I want to know the entire picture. Every way to process tobacco for a cigar, I want to taste. Every way to, to cure tobacco, I want to have somebody do for me. Uh, different Vitolas, different methods, different wrappers. I'd love it all. And so I, I'm feeling a little bit of a Jones for that because it's not one that I've heard of before you've talked about it. Yeah, and that kind of thing's really fun for me. And you know, you may come at it with mixed feelings because you know some of those experiences are not repeatable. So if you find something you just adore, yeah, you're probably out of luck. You may never see that again sure. because of the things we're talking about. It's just, you know, I, I grew some tobacco out behind my house and I, I harvested it and threw it in the corner until I felt like it was time to roll it up and. And so it's never going to be the same twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it adds, I don't, I don't want to say to the novelty of it that in, it's almost a condescending way of describing it, but it adds to the experience, you know, I mean, it's like wanting to uh, go on a road trip and stop in uh, little uh, diners or dive joints or something, you know, they, they've got character to them and they've been doing things a certain way for generations. And ultimately they've maintained doing it because there's, a level of success they've reached. And so, I mean, Mike, Mike even made the comment yesterday that those four cent cigars were better than some other cigars that you would ever smoke period, that they were flavorful. It was an enjoyable experience and it was four cents. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's pretty cool. And if you're in a bind someday and you're driving home from the mountains after breaking your back working and you didn't bring a cigar with you, I know the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else we got, my man? Ah, I think the rest of it's mostly legislative stuff. Um, one, uh, this first story is a near miss uh, in that I believe Florida, Pennsylvania, and New Hampshire are the last three uh, states that don't have a cigar tax. They don't include cigar premium cigars in there. Um, 
taxes in, in their tax collection. And it almost dwindled to just Pennsylvania and Florida. Uh, there actually was a proposal that was voted down and basically has fallen off the, the grid for the time being that would have removed the exemption for cigars in New Hampshire. So had that gone through, that would have meant an additional 65% of, of wholesale added to the price of cigars in New Hampshire, uh, which I'm sure the guys at, was it two guys, smoke shop up there would not have been too happy about it. They have a shop in New Hampshire, but um, that was avoided, that, that catastrophe for the time being, uh, in that it's not going to, not going to make it back around this time, but I imagine next year about this time it'll be on the table again because that's how these things typically go. Of course. Yep. Well, it's, <clears throat> there's three holdouts. That's, uh, that's that's better than none. That's true. Yeah. Although it doesn't really do me anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy from two guys, but I'm glad that it benefits somebody. Yeah. I always bought from the shop we already talked about. That yes, sir. Store. <laughs> Along with a few dozen others as I traveled the state, but Tampa Humidor was my local shop. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I can go to a, because I go to a cigar store so infrequently, I, my wife never has a problem if I pick up a, a cigar or two when I go. Never has a problem. You know, 25, 30 bucks, whatever, uh, because you're factoring in ridiculous Illinois and Cook County and city of Chicago taxes, you know? Um, <clears throat> but I spend 20 bucks on something that she thinks is ridiculous that I haven't established a, a, a lifetime of uh, enjoyment on. Good gracious, it makes me realize... <laughs> Makes me realize that I, uh, I I do have some things pretty darn easy with my wife when it comes to cigars, and being able to purchase the occasional stick from a shop is definitely one of them. Yeah, I bought a uh, an app. I I work in um, energy efficiency. Let's just say the field of energy efficiency uh, for houses for homes, and I bought a a nine dollar and ninety nine cent app. Um, to integrate with some of the equipment I use to measure and calculate uh, velocities of airflow and pressure differentials. Holy cow! I had to I had to submit a written request to be able to spend <laughs> that that money, and it was work related. <clears throat> I I don't think she believed it. I think she thought it was for like a Star Wars game. I've got Star Wars video games on my phone that I'm sure she was. Uh, uh, she was convinced I had developed some shadow corporation to spend the money with. I had to prove it to her. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Zidman says you can get cigars, but you can't get a phone where you can get on the forums that you're a moderator for. No, I literally can't. I cannot make Tapatalk work on my phone. I cannot get the password to work out, and I can't reset it. I don't understand it. Uh, oh, well. That's a different story. I don't know what to tell you. It just works on mine. <laughs> uh, you got a pretty good idea what to tell me, and it generally is going to involve me being a 
technology moron. No, I, I, like I said earlier, I have fallen off that train. I, I seem to be n- not that I just can't keep up with technology. I just not much anymore. It's either useful to me or it's not. I don't follow things just for the sake of knowing that much anymore. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. There's, uh, you have to have that desire with technology, and I just no longer do. I, I don't want to say I no longer do. I, I, I'm about as interested as you could be. The problem is, is that I have absolutely a finite amount of <laughs> resources and ability, as I've already discussed, and so it just isn't. It isn't worth trying to carve out the niche that that would allow that to fit into my life again. Um, yeah, you know, not and that's not a complaint. I mean, that's just the, you know, that, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. Hey, uh, just I'm sure you're well aware of this, but just for the folks listening, you don't have to have Tapa Talk to use our forum. Uh, DC made a comment in the chat room that. He uses his phone to post without Tampa Talk, and that is absolutely true. Our forum is as mobile-friendly as it gets, and it'll even look prettier than Tampa Talk if you just open a browser window and go to it. <laughs> Can I admit that I didn't know that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I I never even gave it a thought. I've gone on the website before, and it... It like Tapa Talk pop-ups would come up, or it would say, "Don't you want to view this on Tapa Talk or something?" And uh, yeah, you should be able to just clear that out, and it should, after X number of visits, just go away and stop asking you that. Oh, as long as you have a cookie on there. Well, you learn something every day. What was it? says he wonders if you know you can go to the website browsing feature also known as the Google and log in. <laughs> I use a real computer. Leave me alone. <laughs> man, oh man, Shevitz. Oh man, you're taking a beating in the chat room. DC says it's mobile friendly. It's just not Kirk design friendly. I absolutely am not looking at that chat window for a while. <laughs> Well, let's see what other stories we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. This one comes out of Hawaii. And this is something. uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. This is uh, a move that does not surprise me in the least because it's a longstanding issue for state governments in particular. And it goes back to people ordering online. Maybe out of Florida, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, and you know, Pennsylvania has some large retailers. They got Cigars International. Uh, um, who are some of the others? The Holtz is in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, Pipesandcigars.com was bought out by. It may have been bought by Cigars International. It, it, it was another big one, but has been bought out a couple of years now. And so you can order from those other states and not pay any tax on it. And the states like that, of course, because their taxes are not being collected from the residents. Of course not. Well, in yeah, in Hawaii, there's now a proposal that could 
pushed through as a bill and become law at some point and will actually likely do so. Uh, that would just outright ban mail order and internet echo for residents unless uh, unless the order is coming through a uh, licensed uh, wholesale or retail tobacconist. Um, it's not going to be legal if this goes through. Um, but it's not being presented as a tax thing. It's being presented as a protection for children. And so children can't, you know, circumnavigate the uh, or circumvent the uh, tax code. age restrictions. Of course, we're protecting children because so many kids are ordering padrones uh, online in Hawaii um, because Hawaii has a massive tax rate. Uh, it's one of the higher ones out there within the U.S. Um, so this actually has a good chance of going through at some point in the not too distant future. I want to say before the year is over, this would go into effect if it passes. And so there would be no more uh, consumer online sales of tobacco into the state of Hawaii. It's, uh, it's a little crazy. And I admit I have not read the... Um, the information specifically about this yet, but I'm curious if it also applies to other products that are available online that we don't want children having, don't want children having like alcohol perhaps, mm -hmm. or is this, is this solely a tobacco related aspect? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know uh, internet mail order to, or alcohol sales are, are governed by signatures somebody of age has to sign for that order when it is delivered or it's not delivered. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason you couldn't do the same thing with tobacco, but then you get into the tax problem. Somebody still needs to pay taxes on that uh, as far as the state government's concerned, of course. Ah. And something similar was tried. This is, I don't know how many years ago, several years ago, Maryland, um, declared, hey, if you're going to sell tobacco into the state of Maryland, you're going to have to set up and pay us the tax on that tobacco. And they made that declaration. And so <laughs> rather than just dealing with it, the, the Internet e-tailers just posted notices, said, hey, we're not shipping to Maryland. If you're buying cigars from us, don't bother if you have a Maryland mailing address because we don't want to deal with the hassle. We're not going to set up with your state <laughs> to, to be able to pay taxes and go through the paperwork and all the other uh, you know, things. Hoop or, uh, the hoops, yeah. Yeah, and, and so the public outcry was enormous, and this, the comptroller's office in Maryland actually backed off of that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, my recollection is not great. You know that, but I, I seem to recall <laughs> that that, uh, that it it was actually a law, and the comptroller's office came back and said uh, that we're, okay, we're not going to enforce that. And I don't know if it was ever taken off the books, or if it's just not enforced because it's not easily enforceable. I don't know. I don't know the final disposition of that law. Oh, it sure sounds like the sort of thing that wouldn't have been taken off the book. So when, uh, oh, when things are a little different politically, it can be pushed through again. But yeah, that's just me being a little cynical. Yeah, I tend to be a little cynical myself. <laughs> hey, but you know what's good for that? Mm, what rum? <laughs> I have no rum. I have a cup of very cold. 
day-old coffee that's still sitting here beside me. <laughs> uh, you know, I would waffle a bit as to which one I would prefer. I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Oh, wait. Yes, I am. I... Well, the only other story is a non-story in here. And it's not actually inherently a non-story. It's a non-story because I've not had time to really dig into it. And I don't know if you have, but I know there's been uh, some new motions filed and, and some activity on the uh, existing lawsuit from CAA, IPCPR, CRA, the, the three uh, organizations. organizations that brought the lawsuit against the FDA several months ago, I want to say back in August-ish. Um, and I know there was some movement there this week and some other... Uh, entities have gotten involved that may have some stake in this lawsuit and basically have filed to uh, a, a, an appeal to try and have the uh, have it just basically dismissed and thrown out and say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> FDA didn't know what they're, what they're doing, but uh, that, that's somewhat simplistic a statement about it, but I, I frankly have not had time to dig into this. I don't know uh, the specifics, and I don't know if you have or not. I have not, and uh, um, shame on me, because it's been something that I've read on, but I don't feel like I have a solid understanding of. I'm seeing lots of, hey, the, the cigar organizations are teaming together. There's going to be some activity here, and then that's it. I, I'm not knowing. I'm not getting a clear sense of what the goal is and what the real, the realistic nature is of this. And uh, I don't want to. Uh, you guys know me. You know that I enjoy sharing my opinions. I haven't formulated enough of, of an opinion yet because I'm still a bit confused. So, <clears throat> I think that this should be a uh, pause and and readdress in a couple weeks because I highly doubt that anything will be in a, uh, a state of conclusion when we next record. Yeah. Same here. I'll, I will take a better look at it before the next show, but, uh, I'm just not well-versed enough to speak intelligibly at the moment. Not just about this either. That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, Hey, uh, you know what we really need to do? Talk about the cigar. Yeah, because it's an hour and 40 minutes into me lighting it, and I've only got two and a half inches left. Oh, I've actually killed over half of this already myself. You can see this. Maybe well, maybe right at half of it, three and a half inches or so left. I am a half inch from the band, less on the backside. I've taken the band off, so I don't have a clue. Well, well... If, uh, if, if I might jump in first, if you don't mind. I have, um, I have some interesting thoughts here. I think that this cigar probably shines the most when it's coming out of that, that aggressive entry, that first half inch that I mentioned, um, through the second third. For the second time, um, for the second time in smoking this, as I've approached the band, I have started looking at the cigar purposefully to see if I was closing in on burning the band because I'm starting to get a little bit of a 
not a harshness, but the cigar is very, the cigar comes across as being extremely well processed. It doesn't attack you. As we said, it's not palate polluting. It's strong, but it's strong in flavor and in presence. As it's uh, entering into the final third, when it's getting close enough to the band that you might just on a glance think, oh, am I smoking the band? Um, It's starting to lose some of that um, kind of debonair characteristic. It is starting to pick up a little bit of a harshness. And it's not harsh as in overly strong. It's harsh as in almost a slight acrid flavor. Um, now I have relit this and it is a Lancero. It's entirely possible that this is just solely attributed to being overheated, but this is the second one of these. And in the exact same spot, um, I'm experiencing the exact same sensations. Um, it's still good. It's still smokable, but I feel like that, that pepper perhaps is just a little, it's a little close to, to being volatile. And if you don't treat the cigar perfectly, it might go over the edge. And um, I, I think it's it's peering over the edge and not exactly uh, doing the cigar justice right now. Uh, it is not as enjoyable as it was a third ago. But, but still, there's substance there. I'm with you. I'm <clears throat> not quite as far progressed into the cigar as you... But um, I'm actually feeling it a little bit. Uh, the the strength is a little bit more than I remembered, and maybe it's because I had a, another cigar earlier and still haven't um, meta- metabolized all the nicotine I may have floating around in the bloodstream. Um, so, But I'm feeling the effects. It's not, not uncomfortable, but I will not likely smoke this down to a tiny nub, um, and I don't recall it being that noticeable noticeably potent with the first one um that's a side note on the strength but as far as the flavors go still very much that same um flavor characteristic with the pepper although it is much more muted now it's 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 softer doesn't have any any kind of sharpness whatsoever um it's almost um almost oak kind of flavor oak if you've ever been in a dry kill where oak is being uh, dried and brought down for for lumber um there's a very uh noticeable what am i trying to a very specific aroma that comes with that when the the sap and the moisture is drawn out of the oak it it has a, a a unique aroma and that's what this reminds me of is that oaken kind of smell and that really comes through on a retro hill. I, I get that a lot in the nose, hmm. it's, which is enjoyable for me. I worked in the you know, furniture industry for dang nearly 20 years. I spent a lot of time uh, around <laughs> dry kills. Um, and, and so I kind of enjoy that in a cigar. I like it. It's something that kind of it's a comfortable kind of flavor and aroma to me. So I, I'm, hmm. I'm grooving on it. You know, there definitely is a uh, a woody aroma to this, and I don't I don't have experience in that same environment as you're talking about, but I have a lot of experience around raw red oak, um, 
already dried, already kiln dried red oak and working with that product. Um, and, and you said there's an oakiness to this and I would not have gotten there on my own, but I can see perhaps that it, it could very easily be described as kind of a generic woodsy flavor um, that is not uh, kind of that halapin sweet woody flavor that I don't like. It's different. It's, it's much more, it's much more akin to uh, a hardwood lumber for me. And maybe it is oak and maybe it's some of the remnants of the same sort of flavor you're talking about. But um, I notice it's much more prevalent when I take smaller puffs. Um, and this is a cigar just to, uh, I guess, reiterate something that's common knowledge for most or all Lanceros. Um, but specific to this one, it smokes better with small, complete puffs. Don't just nibble at it to where you're not igniting the entire foot of the cigar. Take a puff, make sure that it is fully lit around it, but don't take a long two-second, three-second long toke, um, and especially not a hard toke on this. You don't want to overdraw it because you lose some of the more delicate delicateness. I don't know, uh, the delicate woody flavor that you're talking about, which is yeah. it's definitely a good part of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as that, that the flavor I'm getting at is, it's just like what you're talking about being around red oak uh, or white oak for that matter. When it's in the kill, when it's being dried, the, it's, it's the, <laughs> the concentrated essence of that aroma. It's, it's so, bold and potent and it's you know syrupy and and there's a little bit of sweetness to it and, and i dig it i really like it and, and the point you're making about sipping on a cigar rather than taking long drawn out drafts uh that, that's a good point with most any cigar um because if you yeah you can go too light but you're more likely to over puff a cigar than to just under, I mean, if you under puff, you're going to just let it go out anyway. But it, most cigars, if you treat them poorly, are going to treat you poorly. If you're, you know, just dragging on the thing like a, like it's a cigarette, then you're going to, you're going to overheat everything and get a lot of charred kind of ashy flavors out of it. Without question. <clears throat> it's one of the reasons why I think I smoke so slowly. I can't stand that acrid, ashy flavor that you get off of a cigar that's overheated. I can't either. And once that happens, most of the time, I can't get it back. It's, when the damage is done, it's done. It can at times recover from uh, a good solid purge. But at times, a good solid purge can also cause the cigar to overheat. Because you're, yeah. you're blowing out and you're warming up that foot. It, it you know it should be said anytime that you're purging a cigar don't immediately after you're done purging take a big draw in because the cherry on that cigar is incredibly hot it's much hotter than it normally needs to be to ignite or burn the tobacco so now all of a sudden you've taken that let's just say it's twice the temperature of what it otherwise would have been and you've drawn that back in anything that you've just saved or expelled from the cigar by blowing out through it and purging it, um, you're going to cause the same damage to just occur all over again um, by overheating the cigar when you take a puff off that incredibly hot cherry. So 
be, be careful when you purge. Make sure that you do it delicately. But sometimes it really can benefit uh, the whole process. Thus spake Zarathustra. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Not important. <laughs> what have we been smoking this week? The just some crawl. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. I'm hopping on. We're we're done with the news. We talked about cigar of the week. I was oh. Talking what is uh, you yeah. smoking? Because you have four things on here, and I have one. It's like our roles are reversed for the night. Yeah, well, our roles are reversed. I I do have four things on here. I uh, well, it's been three weeks since we've recorded. You had uh, about thankfully uh, of the stomach flu last week, so we did not get a show in on our regular <laughs> scheduled recording. A disturbance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> How is Christy, by the way? Much better. She's basically back to normal now. After two weeks, I'd hope so. Yeah, yeah, she was down and out. That was as bad as she's been sick. And before we ever moved to Florida, I don't remember her being that sick, but one time, and we were still in Tennessee, so this was 99 or before. Wow. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad to hear you are both on the mend, and we don't have to uh, bow out of our recording. I was looking forward to it tonight. Um, as you can tell by my late week, uh, submissions here to the, what else I've been smoking. So I will jump right in, uh, and, and, uh, not get into this too much cause it's what you'll be talking about, but, um, it was international pipe smoking day this week. And, uh, I decided to light up and actually have a bowl here waiting to, uh, to go if this cigar does not make it through the entire show. Um, of Margate, a 10-year-old uh, jar of tobacco that I bought from you. Thank you again. And I have to say, this blend is evolving. I have had this open and then uh, resealed, though not hermetically sealed, um, and broken into this a few times over the past uh, couple of months, well, longer than that. Um, and the blend is absolutely evolving and increasing in strength and intensity. Now, I, I know enough about pipe tobacco to know that the, the level of moisture in the tobacco can have a huge impact on how um, the smoking experience is. More moisture means more steam. More steam means more heat. More heat means less flavor and more <laughs> bad stuff happening in your mouth. How about that for a technical description? Um, Perfect. And I, I would uh, I would say that it's entirely possible that this was a little moist still. It did not dry for more than a half an hour or so before I uh, uh, I packed the bowl, um, and it was it was stronger. It was a little harsher. It was not a to- like a tobacco I would expect it to be. That's ten years old that I've had good experiences with. It was um, much more of a rich, deep hearty, strong tobacco taste than, uh, than what I expect from, from Margate, what I have expected from it in the past as well. So with pot tobaccos, you opened up a nearly 10 year old. Uh, I think that was in a jar probably cause I was buying it in bulk and jarring it myself. Yes. And so when you first open that, you're opening a, an aged tobacco, 
and the beautiful things that have been happening in that closed up little container for 10 years change uh, the, the instant you open it. So those first few bowls will be very different than what goes on the rest of it. And that's why I generally, when I open an old tin of pipe tobacco, I go ahead and smoke it up in, in the, you know, a few weeks time because for that very reason, because it's going to be different, you know, it may be better, maybe worse depending on your tastes, but it will definitely be different. And I'm not an organic uh, chemist, but it was a, we did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> but it, the speculation or the belief or the whatever based on the evidence is that when it, you seal that up, you, ha you have aerobic bacteria in there doing their thing with the tobacco. And as time goes by, those bacteria go dormant or die. And, you know, a, a, many bacteria can go into dormancy and just lie there as a little cyst for days, weeks, years, or decades, and then reactivate when the environment's right. And whatever happens, those go away, and the anaerobic bacteria come in, and they're working all that time in that closed-up container doing the little things they do with the, the compounds that are in the tobacco. And then when you open that, you reintroduce air into the, the mix, and it's, it's what's happening in there it radically changes. And the tobacco will do the same. And so what I find, this is, I'm now switching to Kip anecdotal mode. Uh, when I open an old tin of an English pipe tobacco that's, that's prominently displays Latakia in particular, Abingdon, GLPs, uh, which I'm going to mention here in a minute, is a, a, a produces a blend <coughs> or markets a blend called Abingdon. Very heavy on Latakia, <clears throat> very bold, very campfirey kind of smell and flavor when it's fresh. If you leave that in the tin for five years or, or longer, but five years is suitably long, and you open it up, the Latakia is very subdued, very quiet, very much in the background, and it's it's the main course of that blend when it's fresh. But when you open an old tin of that, and you smell it, it smells like, hey, this doesn't smell much like a, as much like a strong English blend. This smells like a Virginia kind of blend. It's sweeter. It's milder in aroma. And then you smoke a couple bows, and you stick a lid back on it and forget about it for a month, and you come back, and you're like, wow, it, it's, this, is a, this is a bold English blend again. This is nothing like it was when I opened it. And that blend is just a glowing example of what I'm talking about, but it, it changes things when you reintroduce and, and move oxygen in and out of the equation. Well, it's obvious. I yeah. mean, even, even, uh, gosh, I think I, I probably had my last bowl of this. Um, and it, you'll, you know, you'll cringe because I'm not smoking through a jar of this in a month. I'm, I bet it's, if I think about it, I bet it was uh, near the end of baseball season last year. So and, September. And there's absolutely nothing in the world wrong with that. I mean, you just have to know what your preferences are. So in the future, you know, okay, well, if I'm going to open this now. I, I need to smoke it up in a few weeks or, hey, you know what? I don't, I don't mind it. I like how it changes if I open it and then come back to it in three months or six months or whatever. It's just a matter of learning what your own personal preferences are. 
Well, and I, I, um, I do find some similarities. Um, I think that, uh, well, one of the reasons why I packed this and then left it for later on was because I wanted it to dry out a little bit. And I knew I didn't want to go through the process of packing when we were on the show. So this has been out now for three, four hours. Granted, it has been packed, so it's not exposed to a ton of uh, ability to dry out, but it has some. Um, and it is it is substantially, I won't say substantially, it is noticeably different than where it was when I had the first bowl earlier today. Um, and it, it now has that buttery flavor that I expect from the Margate that just wasn't there earlier. Um, and yeah, it's, it's stronger. I don't know enough about pipe tobacco to be able to say Virginia or English one direction or another. I have no idea what this is with a name like Margate. I guess it's in English, but I I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, it, uh, it's more approachable now. It's less harsh. It has better flavor. And it's just so interesting to me that it's, it's all solely dependent on, on oxygen in, in just a few hours you can have a change um, in the smoking experience, not so much oxygen in this regard as if that bacteria is doing what it's doing in an hourly span rather than a yearly span. But the fact that it's dried out is changing the experience. And uh, at this point it's changed it for the better. I I am enjoying this bowl. Cool. Why don't you go ahead and do one more and then I'll, Say mine, and then you can do your other two. Cool. All right. Uh, mm. All right. Well, I had uh, a rather enjoyable trade of cigars with a member on our forum. Um, and uh, I lit up a cigar from the package that I received. That I got it a few weeks back that I was really, really looking forward to. It was a Padron 1926, um, Bellicoso. And I don't know the specific front mark for uh, the 26 Bellicoso, but either way. Um, number number two, maybe? Uh, typically, a number two is a torpedo figurato of some sort, but I, I really don't know. Um, it could very well be. So I, I lit it up, um, and um, again... I, those of you who have listened to many of our shows will know early on that I had some tribulations with um, uh, the anniversario, the 1964s. I went through a phase where I really thought those blends had changed and had strengthened up. Well, it is entirely possible that the same could be said based on this, this smoking experience about the 1926s. I seem to not be able to detect the same level of sweetness, um, the the cocoa sweetness that was in the 26s before. It just seems missing. Um, it's much more spicy to me. If I was to use one word to describe it, I would say that it is an incredibly spicy cigar now. And I, I just can't handle that. It, it was smokable. A lot like the first third of the the Justin Crawl that we had tonight, but spicy in the sense that it it challenged me. It didn't allow me to 
sit back and relax with the cigar and just enjoy it. It forced me to lean in, give it my all, and try to try to find the the enjoyable aspects of the the blend. And it it really really it bummed me out. Oh gosh, it it it, uh, it upset me. I think that maybe my profile is changing away from some of these higher end padrones. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. It's been quite a long time since I've had any of the anniversarios. Maybe since the last one we had on the show, that uh, natural Corona 1964 we did a couple years ago. Yeah, those are now 10 years old. I think they're 07s. Wow. Well, what have I got on here? I got a couple. These are actually all pipes. I've taken criticism on the forum this week from posting pipe pictures instead of cigars, but I'm just that kind of guy. Uh, like Craig mentioned, uh, International Pipe Smoking Day was February 20th, as it is every year. So happy International Pipe Smoking Day. <laughs> I uh, I took the opportunity to open up a couple of, couple of new Oh, a couple of old tins, actually. Um, I had some Dunhill Nightcap and, and some Greg P's, GLP's Abingdon, which are both uh, uh, eight or nine years old, I guess, at this point. I don't recall exactly. And uh, they're fantastic. I love those two blends. They're very good for what they are. And, and I don't mean that to even sound negative. I, I enjoy the blends and stockpiled unholy amounts of them back when I was buying tobacco. Um, but what really, really shined and jumped out and was so wonderful for me was another tin, a third tin I opened up, and it was a uh, 2004, April 2004 tin of Marlin Flake from Rat Trace. And this is certainly my favorite Virginia blend and very well may be my favorite pipe tobacco blend of all time. Wow. If, I, if I don't count Bohemian Scandal because that is these days unobtainium. Uh, that was only on the market for about three months when the big fire claimed all of their uh, inventory of tobacco to make that blend. So once I made it through all of what I retained for myself from that, it's gone likely forever for me. So I will go with obtainable blends and say Marlin Flake is definitely top one or two or three blends for me. But good gracious, this was uh, an amazing pipe tobacco now. I, lo I love it fresh, but holy cow, after you know a decade plus, this was 13 years old, um, it's just a phenomenal tobacco. If, if, if you enjoy it, it's very different than the other tobaccos we've talked about tonight. Uh, it has no latakia in it. It's uh, it's a pretty straightforward Virginia blend. It comes in these big flakes that are about six or seven inches long and a couple inches wide. And so you have to rub that out if you're going to smoke it in a in a. Hey, hey, opening. this is a family-friendly show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rub my Marlin out to smoke it. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Um, I did not say that. You can just <laughs> fold the flake over and put it in the bowl if it's really windy, and that'll 
kind of meter the burn a little bit. But if it's not windy, you got to you know break it down into its pieces. And um, holy cow, it is the sweetest non-flavored or non uh, non-aromatic, non-topped pipe tobacco I've ever smoked. It, it is just I, I gotta get you some if I never have. It, it's amazing stuff. And it, no, I don't it is it. it is something uh, th this is the blend I have the most of. I have I couldn't even venture a guess how many pounds of this stuff I put aside over the years. And, and it's mostly in Florida right now. But as time goes by and people come to visit, I usually have them mule me down a fresh supply of pipe tobacco. And man, I'm so glad I put this aside. It's phenomenal stuff these days. And how does it come? You're getting it in, in tins or did you buy it in bulk? Uh, some of both. Uh, it was a tin that I opened this week. It, it comes in these tall cans or three and a half ounce or hundred grams of, uh, tobacco in a tin, but yeah, at, at one point I was buying it by the kilo <laughs> Whoa! and by the pound um, and, and putting it in the jars. But yeah, it's, it's lovely stuff. Fresh a year, five years, 10 years more. It's just, just wonderful tobacco. And so what does a kilo of Marlin flake cost? I don't know. I haven't bought it in 10 years. <laughs> What did a kilo of Marlin Flake cost? I think it was half a kilo. I think actually you bought it in 500 uh, gram um, packages at the time. I I don't know, 40, 50 bucks at that time. I don't have a clue what it is now. Wow, that seems cheap. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when I started buying pipe tobacco 20 years ago, I could get a 50 gram tin of Dunhill for, you know, four bucks. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, those were the days. I can yeah. think of going to a cigar store and picking up $2 Maria Mancini's or oh, uh, what what were some of the other ones that were dirt cheap? That is, <laughs> those have gone the way of the dodo. Yeah, hell, you could pick up 10 years ago, you could pick up Padron 2000s for 350, 4 bucks. A uh 500 grams of Marlin Flake right now is about $67. Well, that's not horrible. That's a lot of bowls of tobacco. It is. 100 grams is 30-plus bowls of tobacco. So you're talking 150 bowls of tobacco at, at a minimum, depending on the size of your bowl. Hmm. And a bowl of tobacco lasts you roughly as long as a you know, decent-sized cigar. So where can you buy six boxes of cigars for $66? Well, the mountainside and... Dominican Republic. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Do I detect a rooster in your background? Yeah. Sorry, I forgot to mute. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. It's very faint, but that's an unmistakable uh, sound. Yeah, there are roosters. There are guineas. There are geese. Every freaking morning, uh, somebody has a gaggle of geese around here. that They all just lose their minds. Uh, all right, I'll get to my last couple here. So I uh, earlier in the week, 
because I did not have a pipe with me on International Pipe Smoking Day. I uh, I grabbed a cigar instead, and that cigar happened to be another from Frank in uh, in our um, on our forum, uh, a, a young chap from uh, from New York who constantly educates and challenges us and uh, is just about as generous and punctual as anybody has been uh, that I've dealt with on our site. So Frank's a good dude. Um, and he shared with me a Cuba Aliados in that trade of ours. And uh, I lit it up and it was, it was almost, it was almost a, a cosmic coincidence that just could not have occurred uh, if it was not international pipe smoking day. This cigar smoked the first inch like it was a pipe. It tasted like pipe tobacco. I, I, I know this is like the, the non-Cuban cigar smoker who says, I'm looking for a non-Cuban cigar that tastes like a Cuban. You know, I, I, I get it. I do. This is not something you say normally. Cigars don't taste like pipes. <laughs> Unless you're smoking pipe, a pipe tobacco. Too. Unless you're smoking a what? <laughs> there used to be these cigars, maybe still, I don't know. They were called John T's and they were just heavily goopy flavored pipe tobacco cigars. Horrid things. CAO did a, a pipe tobacco uh, mashup, didn't they? They had several flavored cigars. They had the uh, Irish cream or Eileen's dream, which was an Irish cream flavor and moon trance and uh, oh, several the only one I ever smoked was that Eileen's Dream, and it actually was not my groove, but it wasn't bad for a flavored cigar. Well, I uh, I, I had this Cuba Aliados, and I just thought that it was the perfect, just really the perfect tobacco centric. Slightly aromatic, uh, not aromatic in the sense of being flavored, but aromatic in the sense of of having just an unbelievable aroma. I detected aroma when I was smoking the cigar, which is not very common for me, um, but it was a really, really enjoyable experience. I I loved that cigar. It was not overly strong. It was right in my wheelhouse of strength to flavor combination. Um, I have not a bad thing to say, um, and I almost don't want to know what the cost was because as of right now, I only have positive, uh, things in my memory. Uh, and I don't want to taint it by finding out all of a sudden this is a $17 stick or something ridiculous. It was terrific. I had the same conclusion. I had a one of those that he, he has a couple of them. I've only smoked one and thought it was delightful as well. Oh gosh, I uh, I want more. This was really really good and surprising because Cuba Aliados is not a brand that I've ever thought of as being a, a super premium. <laughs> um not a cigar worthy of taking up shelf space amongst other super premiums. Um, now I do not think that way. This was terrific. Oh, be still my beating heart. Frank says it's $8. Sweet. Oh man. Oh man. Those are going to be one I look for. That was terrific. Red band, uh, white second band or white foot band that said, uh, made in Miami, Florida. It was excellent. Could not say, 
could not say more positive things about it. Really a good cigar. One of the best I've had, definitely the best cigar I've had this year in uh, the two months of 2017. Wow. I'm trying to work back. You've had like four cigars this year. Yeah, five. (laughs) I bet I've had a dozen cigars this year. I, I, you know, I don't smoke too terribly often in winter and, uh, uh, we have not recorded as often as we would have liked, so I have not had a ton, but this was really good. Trying to think about our show cigars. Um, I feel like we've had a really good show cigar in the last month or so. Um, we both enjoyed the caucus. We did the uh, uh, Carpe Nocturne, or no, that's a that's a, <laughs> definitely not the Nictophilia, yeah. Another one about nighttime or loving the dark or something. Um, it wasn't either of those, but I feel like maybe the cigar prior to that, we, I, I thought was exceptional. Um, this was real good. Cool. I'm trying to think back. I don't remember what it was. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> as you Drop know, my pipe, my recollection's not the best. You bad memory. <laughs> no. Mm. Well, I think I have one more here. Let me uh, finish the lighting this pipe again. All right, here we go. All right, I uh, went out with Mike Stewart yesterday. Um, good friend, you know him, Stu Muse. He uh, he's got Casa Trompetta cigars. Um, rolls blends his own cigars, and uh, so Mike and I met up with some friends just kind of our, our monthly um, gathering, bi-monthly gathering. Great time. The shop that we went had one of those Tatuaje Reserva um, uh, sampler boxes, the $1,000 box with all the tat broadleaf available in one, um, uh, in one container. I reached for the Tat Noea, which is the little, um, I believe they're petite Coronas. I don't think they're Coronas. 42 by five and an eighth. Um, and there is, if you know anything about Tatuaje, you know that this is of a Tola and a front mark that has history. Um, the Noeas are probably right up there in, uh, with um, the other main Tatuajes that have made a massive mark on the industry. So, I love my skinny ring gauges and decided I'd go with this one. I lit this cigar. It was great. Lit up like the, the perfect tat broadleaf flavor that you want. Um, it just didn't continue through. I, the only thing I can attribute it to is um, that maybe this release doesn't have the same, um, you know, the same legs as what it has had in the past or what some of the other, exceptional reserver releases from Tatuaje um, have had, but I suppose it could also have something to do with the fact that the cigar was brand new. The box had just been opened a couple days before. So, you know, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was just still a little wonky from travel and needing, uh, needing proper humidification. I don't know, but it was, it was uh, a great start, not a great finish. A little, not unhappy, but a little um, 
Uh, it, it made me want something different. Uh, I'll just be simple here. Wish it would have been a little bit more enjoyable. I'll put it that way. I, uh, when the uh, Noeas reappeared in mass a couple of years ago, I tried a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I found them so earthy, I just couldn't couldn't get into them. Really? Yeah. Earthy is not a word I would have used to have described this. I, uh, I've no. had some of the Noeas. This was my first Noea Reserva. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I imagine it's got to be a pretty similar blend. Yeah, should be, as far as I know. Yeah, should be. Maybe just with the broadleaf change in the wrapper or something? Well, broadleaf is not a uh, not a leaf that there's a ton of. Uh, not too many places are uh, are, are selling it, and uh, it's entirely possible it wasn't a great year, or maybe it was a great year. And like I said, it just was in a bit of a funk because they were newer. Anything's possible. See. Well, have you anything else to say about tonight's cigar? Or did we already kind of? Well, I, I'd say that our uh, our mid cigar wrap up was probably what I'm gonna what I'm gonna have uh, as the bulk of my final cigar wrap up here. Um, I enjoy the cigar much like the the um, tantrum uh, from Ezra Zion. Ezra Zion? Yeah, yeah. The Ezra Zion tan- Ezra. Zion Tantrum. I don't know why that was hard to say. Um, much like that, it challenges you, but it does lighten up. It's not a cigar that, like that Padron 26, it's not a cigar that, to me, I needed to stay on top of the entire way through. I, I found enjoyment in it um, uh, after it kind of woke me up. It, it was kind of like a, hey, uh, you need to be here for this experience. You need to, you need to pay attention. Um, so it kind of knocked some sense into you and then lightened up a little bit and gave you some enjoyable, uh, enjoyable flavors. I, I liked that about it. I, I like that this cigar, um, boom, out of the gate, it flies. And then it kind of settles into a good rhythm with uh, an enjoyable core chili pepper type flavor to it um uh it 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 was maybe chili pepper isn't right it it did remind me of crushed red pepper maybe it was also another type of of peppercorn like a white pepper or a green pepper something that's got a little bit more um herbaceousness to it or a little bit a little bit more than just the spicy heat from a black pepper um good cigar hey Treat the cigar as it needs to be treated. Smoke it with respect. Don't overpuff it. Don't overheat it. Because especially this Lancero, uh, it needs to be treated with respect. Otherwise, it's not going to give you all that it can. Boom. I got nothing to add to that. I think we're actually, I mean, we commonly end up on the same page or at the very least in the same chapter with a cigar. Yeah. But I think yeah. we're pretty much dead nuts together on this one. Good cigar, cigar I'd definitely smoke again. Yeah, same here. I like it. Well, cool. So, I reckon we're about ready to wrap this joker up, eh? Yeah, let's do it. Cool.
Well, as always, folks, we appreciate you tuning in, uh, whether you're here with us tonight or somewhere down the road. And if you want to come back and join us on episode 161, I believe we'll be smoking an unbanded uh, number 30 from Kevin Hasselwander. Uh, Kevin is a uh, longtime regular supplier of unbanded. So thanks again, Kevin. And in the meantime, if you want to catch up with Craig or myself, you can get us uh, through email to Craig at halfashed.com or Kip at halfashed.com. And uh, you can find us always at the forum, uh, which you can hit the website and make your way there. There's links on basically every page across the top of the menu. And on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole spiel with social media, we're, uh, we're pretty much available day or night. <laughs> Okay, that's not true, but we'll no, get back to you at some point. <laughs> don't don't reach me at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and you know, I'll uh, I'll add one final thing here. I had a bit of an exchange about uh, Cuban cigars with a listener whose name I do not recall at the moment. Um, he sent me a very long uh, email discussing some of his thoughts in relation to mine. I responded. And I was really hoping that he would have responded back to me with some additional comments. So if you are that gentleman who has gone back and forth with me earlier this year, please send me another email. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing that conversation. And uh, and that public service announcement uh, with that out of the way, I will I'll keep it simple tonight and say, folks, we really do appreciate it. And we say it every time we record, but we mean it. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.